I just needed to make sure that I was prepared should it not go that way. Welcome back or welcome to Toughest Call, a podcast for organizational leaders where we hear stories from your leadership colleagues about career-defining decisions. I'm your host, Chaz Thorne. In this episode, I'm talking with Jewel Mitchell about a challenge she faced when she felt the process for a large capital campaign was becoming disconnected from the organization's vision and values. Jewel is a nonprofit leader with a particular belief in and focus on supporting the potential of women and children. Individuals can have very different approaches to decision making. And when you put these different approaches into a group process, conflict can erupt. Jewel talks about what she learned from this difficult experience about the leader's role in setting up these group processes for success and how to keep your team on track as you move forward. I was the executive director of YWCA in Moncton, and um, we uh, endeavored on a large-scale capital uh, project to bring forward um, the Center for Women and Girls. That was a a hub facility that uh, would have housing for young moms. It would have full-fledged childcare, um, employability services, health and wellness, a real wraparound supports uh, for women and children in the Moncton area. Jewel, how were the mission and values of the YWCA and Moncton stated so that we sort of have an understanding of what what the organization was committed to at the time you were leading it? Uh, YWCA Moncton exists to empower um, and support women and their families uh, to lead empowered lives through integrated services, um, supports, and services. How how much money was the YWCA looking to raise in this campaign? Uh, the project itself, that in its final iteration, it was a four million dollar project, and we were looking to raise uh, in the capital. Uh, campaign portion about three million dollars. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot. That's that's where we ended up was a three million dollar uh, campaign. And there wasn't really a there wasn't really a, a background in terms of capital campaign fundraising and so on within the within the organization at that time. No, at the time, our sole fundraising program, um, all that existed was one singular legacy gift uh, of a, you know, a couple of thousand dollars a year that came from a foundation that no one knew anything about. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we came really from no fundraising um, um, program at all. Uh, to having this incredible vision um, of, of something very different. And what was the team that you initially pulled together to run this to run this campaign? So there were, there were many, many people who came together. Um, we had um, significant um, support and interest from strategic business partners who were very uh, moved and taken and supportive of this idea of wraparound supports for young women. Um, And 
um, we had we we built a fundraising team under the concept of our values around intergenerational support and the fact that uh, women's poverty, uh, particularly in New Brunswick and in Canada, is not a women's only issue. Um, it really, when you look at the stats and the figures, it really is a, a young mother's uh, poverty is is really where uh, we see so much um, of the intergenerational poverty that exists. Um, and so we built a team of, um, it was husband and wives, it was mothers and sons, it was sons and, um, sorry, rather mothers and daughters. It was, it was a whole a connection, but it was, it was familiar. It was, it was built on family um, because that was what we were trying to build was a was a was a safe space for families in all their iterations and so that's that's who we we drew to us um to support that aim can you lay a lay out for us what that decision was that you were faced with that was extremely challenging so the decision that i as the leader needed to grapple with and decide was do I raise $1 million in a capital campaign that provides a life-giving experience for the women and particularly the young women that were around that campaign table? Or do I raise $3 million in absence of it? That's definitely the definition of a, of a tough call, especially for a nonprofit. I think a lot of people also don't realize as well how competitive. It seems odd to say that about our charitable sector, but it's, it's quite competitive because really you're also just trying to, you're also just trying to get your story heard out there amongst the, amongst the noise that's, that's out there for both, uh, nonprofits and for-profit businesses in general, sort of competing for attention. So what was, so you're you're faced with this decision. Can you can you lay out for us what that was going to mean in terms of the potential implementation and and the team that you were you would be working with between those those two options? There was no clear right wrong what to do. There was a lot of decisions to be made. There was a lot of unknowns. Very much like pandemic uh thinking and mm-hmm. leading very very much there was there were no knowns and there was lots of scary possibilities um but no knowns and um you know so that really created this lack of clarity um and at the decision making table that i had that i had convened to advise me um, I had so many different people that had wonderful, amazing, brilliant advice and experience that I did not have. Um, and so I leaned on them um, and, and their expertise. But what I was able to witness in one particular um, convening of this table was um, the real sense of um, so, so power and control in a, in a way that um, I hadn't witnessed before. Um, and I should, and I do want to say that feminist decision-making or collaborative decision-making in and of itself, you know, is, is a different way uh, of um, kind of distributing um, position, influence, experience, it, it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, sort of flattens that. Um, and 
really sometimes it can feel a little circular um, and can be frustrating perhaps at times. And so, you know, I set that uh, context. Um, it, but essentially, um, there was definitely some strong uh, suggestions about the way that we should proceed that really um, shut down some of the voices of women, of the women who were around the table. It did fall on that kind of male-female divide line. And um, it really uh, just kind of set in motion this idea of either, for me, I trust that this is how you raise money. This is how you do it. And this is what you want to do. And if you want this beautiful, life-changing facility for the community, for all the women and girls and their families that you're going to serve, this is what you need to do to do that. Um, or alternatively, um, I could um, kind of um, call out or uh, bring to light some of the patriarchal sort of uh, underpinnings that I was feeling that were happening at the decision-making table and possibly um, possibly cause uh, those who could bring the money to the table to step away. What was your process in terms of in terms of deciding between those those two things? Because how it's sort of been how it's been set up is that it was a tension between two very different choices. It's raise a million dollars, which is not enough in a way that feels more aligned with what the organization stands for or raise three million dollars in a way that feels out of line with what the organization stands for but will result in this great this great facility actually happening that the the the, the money raising side of things is is more likely to be successful. How did you wrangle between those two options in your own mind as you move towards making a decision about that? I actually, after that particular meeting, I actually uh, uh, one of the the women that was advising me came up to me and she said, "Jewel, you know what? I think I'm gonna I should step away. I will." from the side, anything you need on there, but you, you need everyone around the table to raise the money. So, and her saying that, I felt such relief. I'm going to just be honest. Let's just be honest here. I felt such relief. Um, I felt relieved. Um, and then that relief caused shame, hmm. great shame, Jess, <laughs> that here was a woman who was saying, you know what, I got, I'm going to step away so that, that, you know, we're not going to ruffle any feathers and, you know, this is the way, you know, this is what you, you need the money for the, this, this project. Um, and so I really had to sit with that and I really had to figure out what my place was. Now for me, I, you know, I didn't uh, go in an affluent circles, you know, I wasn't the business uh, in the community, the business leader, but I did know nonprofit. I did know mission and I, I did know that. And I did understand when something was not feeling right that I needed to go in and really think about it. Because in the end, it was my organization to run and to lead. And I wasn't leading. 
by just allowing someone to step away and, and someone to proceed. Like that's not leading. That's, that's just allowing, that's giving away your, mm. your power and privilege. Right. So I, I really had to think, okay, well, what do I have to offer? Well, what I do know um, is I do know, uh, I do believe as in our campaign um, materials, I believe in the boundless potential of women <laughs> and children and with the right supports can do extraordinary things. Like I believe that. And I believe that whatever we could offer um, would be, would be a beautiful thing. Uh, just because in my mind, my vision had all of these many different parts. Um, that didn't mean that something smaller wouldn't be as effective in life-giving and changing. So for me, it was around what's the ego part, having this project that I've really developed. Um, and, it, and it really does speak to what I think would be break intergenerational um, poverty and things like that. But that's not to say something smaller couldn't do that too. So I, I tried to kind of uh, really kind of think about what would that, what would it look like? Um, I also really understood who, who are my stakeholders in my role. And as the executive director of the YWCA, the young women around the table were my stakeholders. So if I'm going to feel shame or if I'm going to feel regret, who do, whose expectations do I really care about? And in the end, it wasn't about um, the people that were maybe above my station as far as work or affluence or anything. It had nothing to do with that. It was about young women watching, you know, mothers and fathers and everyone else, this intergenerational mix that we had. It, it was, they were watching and they were learning the way. Um, business is done. And so once I kind of fixated on that, you know, I, I really was able to quickly, actually quite quickly, once this all sort of uh, came into my mind, pare down this project so that a million dollars would be a beautiful project. And wow, we would have phases that we could have, mm -hmm. you know, ongoing. Um, but it was just a reimagining of what the dream is or what the vision is. And uh, I think that was in, in, in identifying whose voice, who, who, what person mattered to me as a leader. Like, and in the end, um, you know, it was me who had to live with the decision and had to reconcile that. So finding out what opinion mattered the most was important for the YWCA too. Like we are a very uh, lived experience um, trumps everything and so it's an organization that values most often what is dismissed or shameful um, in other decision making tables you know we really value that um, and so that helped as well did you have anyone counseling you or any sounding boards as you were mulling over what you were going to do no, my sounding boards were, were the ones that were at odds with each other in this case, right? All, all of everyone I knew was involved or invested um, in, in this. Um, and, and also like um, the decision-making process, like I had taken myself out of, like I wasn't leading. I think that's the other piece that was really, what was my role in this? I had not only 
had I lost control of the decision-making process, I had never really asserted myself in it. You know, sometimes when, when things are outside of your, your realm or, or beyond your, your reach, you can over rely on others. And in a vacuum of leadership, people are going to step up uh, and it may not be in a way that you want it to go. And so really thinking about my, like, I really try to understand what was my role? Where had I um, perhaps not done uh, well by everyone? Because everyone is amazing. There's no one that, you know, everyone identified as feminists, everyone identified with all of those pieces and, and no one wanted it to be um, anything less than empowering for all of the people that were there. Like, I want to make sure that that is very, very clear. And so I had to kind of think about what was my role in allowing this environment to, to kind of erupt. Um, and I think, you know, that, I think that was an important learning for me and an important, you know, an important piece of why things break down. Um, because there isn't that clear expectation and there is no clear process and there needs to be, it needs, these things need to be led, even if it's led to, you know, then remove yourself and become an equal partner with the decision-making, but there still needs to be leadership um, and setting direction around that decision-making process. You go through this process, you, you revise the, the plan for the, for the capital campaign so that it will work with this, this smaller option of raising a million dollars that you feel will be more in line with the values uh, that you're trying to put forth of, of the organization. How did you go about communicating that to those that were involved? And what was the immediate fallout? of that decision? So the pivot that happened was in my mind. It wasn't, I didn't, it was like, if the worst case scenario happens, if that happens, what would result? And I was able to rectify that and I would have a plan immediately in my mind. But I did have faith, hope, and and, um, belief still that you know, raising all of the money that we needed and it being a life-giving experience, still the potentiality was still there because the people around the table were still amazing, uh, big-hearted people who believed in the cause. I just needed to make sure that I was prepared um, should it not go that way. Like I, I needed to kind of do that risk analysis. Again, leading my team, um, this is not something I took to my board of directors. This was all in the moment and it had to happen very, you know, quite, quite quickly, what would be the pivot, but it was always plan B, you know, it was never to give up plan A. I just knew that once I addressed the nature um, and, and reasserted myself uh, and the, you know, sort of that more feminist model of decision-making um, that that could result in in, in people being unhappy and uncomfortable and potentially walking away from the project. Um, so that's just to be clear, I didn't actually do all of the rejigging uh, 
plans and things like that. It was more around that possibility and where would we go should we need to. So what happened when you reasserted that new approach amongst the team? So the way I certainly did it is I I addressed it. Um, I just kind of did it via email very discreetly to a couple of the people that I I wanted to chat about. Um, And I did it very, in my way, Chaz, you would know, like uh, it might have, you know, certainly cased gently. Um, and, um, and I would hope very, very respectfully, um, but also clearly as well, um, you know, to kind of make sure that we were kind of on board. Um, and, uh, the result was a bit of discomfort for sure. Um, but that it did, that did go away. No one walked away. Um, and in the end, we, re- we, we did hit the, the, the highest number for our capital campaign. And thank goodness, because we needed every single dollar, um, every single dollar um, construction. There's a whole lot of learning uh, on that one uh, as well. But um, in the end, when you have high hopes and high expectations for people, they meet them most generally, you know, and and I really, I do believe that. And the situation that unfolded really had to do with fear. Um, and everyone was trying to do their best. And everyone, you know, um, was navigating different circumstances. And and I think me coming into the ownership of my place in that role allowed everyone else to uh, lean into where the gifts that they brought to the table. Um, and um, so in the end, you know, people did, we all met and rose together and, and had an incredible experience, something that um, should never, or should have been an impossibility. I was told was an impossibility, um, but, but people really connected deeply. Um, and, you know, it's there today, thriving and, and doing what we intended it and hoped that it would do. Jewel, if you were faced with, if you were faced with the same or a similar decision again, what would you do differently, if if anything? Well, for sure, if I was going to bring in uh, a co-gendered intergenerational uh, team to do anything, I would first of all have a lovely team building exercise that really talked about. Um, what the decision-making might look like, values and beliefs. Um, I would talk about all these types of things and the value for me that I would bring to the table uh, and hope everyone would have that same buy-in is that how we do the work is the work. And I, that is my, the learning that I came to really know through this process. And so I would bring that up front so there's no means, uh, like there's no ill-gotten means that justifies an end. Like the end itself, it's the, the end itself is a beautiful, hopeful, visionary project. But how we get there is every bit as important. Um, and so I would start with that. And I would start that, you know, when we have difficult decisions to make, when it is gray and it will be gray, that our vision and mission, you know, that's the North Star and our values, 
are the guideposts that will help us know which way to turn and how to pivot. But they are guideposts. We don't get to sidestep them. We don't get to sidestep them. And I think just setting that up at the very top would create just an understanding where, um, you know, we, we would be able to draw back to that and it wouldn't be such a harsh reality when we did have to kind of call that out. If you'd like to learn more about Jewel, you can check out her profile on LinkedIn. That is Jewel with two L's, Mitchell. And if you'd like some assistance with your own tough calls, we've compiled a collection of free tools just for you. Go to toughestcall.com to check them out. If you are not yet a subscriber to Toughest Call, please add us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation helps you when faced with your next tough call.